Welcome to the Proclaim podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Welcome to the Proclaim podcast. This is Eric Chow here, and I'm with Pete Barak. Pete, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself because you've got a particular role in Renewal Ministries, but you're here in Vancouver. We, we have the privilege of interviewing you face-to-face. Uh, you've been, you're here for our Upper Room Conference 2023. But before we jump into it, can I ask you to introduce yourself to our Proclaim listeners? Absolutely. Thanks, Eric. It's good to be in Vancouver. It's my first time here, and uh, I've had the privilege of knowing you for a little while now, and a lot of the people that uh, are around us and had lunch with today, and just it's, it just feels it feels wonderful to be here, and uh, the Lord's clearly doing something in this archdiocese. Uh, I have the privilege of being the uh, vice president of Renewal Ministries and the director of our young adult outreach. It's called ID. Um, so Renewal Ministries exists to help people around the world meet Jesus, fall in love with Him, begin to share Him with others, particularly in and through the the Catholic Church. Started back in the early '80s, and we've go anywhere the door is open to, to share the gospel and, and help people be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, most importantly, I, I'm married with, with five kids back at home and never a dull moment. It's a, it's a beautiful life and feel very blessed to, to be on this podcast and be with you today. Amazing. Pete is a true missionary disciple and uh, being able to observe his ministry and, and the way he, uh, he lives his life and mission, uh, he, re- he really is living out the values of Proclaim. As you know, Proclaim is a mission awakening disciples to proclaim Jesus. Ultimately, we're helping people respond to the full call that Jesus uh, presents to each of us to follow him and to make fishers of men. So Pete, we brought you in to be a keynote for our Upper Room Conference, and at the time of this recording, we're, we're right before the conference, and uh, probably at, at when we publish, it'll be after the conference, and you know, some of our listeners will have heard some of the content, but what are some of the things that you wanted to bring forward uh, to encourage and to equip our, our participants? Yeah, I think it's an amazing thing what this conference is doing is bringing together leaders from across across the diocese and recognizing that um, everything fruitful in the church, when you boil it all down, is a movement of God, right? It's a, a it's a divine blessing, but in and through people that He's called to lead. That the yeah, the old adage from John Maxwell, everything rises and falls with leadership. Well, it, the same is true for the church. And of course, Jesus is the head of the church, and he is leading us, and he's leading us through the power of his Holy Spirit. But what Jesus demonstrates, actually, to us in his earthly ministry is that uh, it wasn't enough just for him to kind of preach and to kind of do the miracles and all the things, but he actually discipled men and women and taught them how to be him. And then he, through Pentecost, equipped them to actually go do it. And so uh, the topic that y'all gave me for the conference, which is one I'm deeply passionate about, is spirit-filled leadership. And to me, is the, the primary strategy of Jesus is spirit-filled leadership, recreating himself and others who can then go do the same with someone else. And so you see Paul with Timothy, and then Timothy with his, his disciples. Everywhere the church goes, it's creating little Christs, Right? That's what a Christian is, to be a little Christ. What discipleship is, is helping people actually learn the life of Jesus, to grow both in his character, in his holiness, but also his competency, to be able to do the things that he does. And so spirit-filled leaders are essential to that because you need people who are able to uh, cast the vision, draw people into that vision, course correct when it gets off course from that vision, and then to do the work of, of all the practical and spiritual and uh, necessary things that any community and any organization needs. And so, uh, yeah, the topic of spiritual leadership, to me, is 
one of those most vitally important things the church needs to focus on because the church will is fruitful insofar as she's able to produce spirit-filled leaders. Yeah. Leadership is one of those, I guess, topics or, or words that can have a lot of different meanings and understandings depending on where you're coming from, whether it's in the business context and secular context, and of course here, even in within our parish and ministry context. So let's dive into what you know, how you would define spirit-filled leadership. Yeah. Well, how, how would you kind of put it down into its like basic, not basic, but maybe like the, the core terms? Yeah, so yeah. spirit-filled, that maybe is the more obvious part, yeah. uh, to be living fully in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, by nature of our baptism and confirmation, we know that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so the, the Spirit has equipped us, as Scripture tells us, each has been given a portion of the Spirit for the common good, right? So we've been given these gifts and charisms to not only uh, be personally edified and to live the holy life that we're called to, but then to go build the kingdom and actually invite people into it in particular ways. As Paul talks about, we're not all heads, we're not all hands, we're not all, you know, we all have a role to play. And part of the role then of a spirit-filled leader is to help people discern that, recognize what the Lord has equipped them to do, and then um, invite them into those areas that help them be most fruitful and complements the body. But there's lots of different temp- uh, definitions of leadership. One of my favorites is trying to help people get from here to there. Okay, we're here. And we need to go there. And a leader is helping people understand what the here is and why it's unacceptable that we stay here, helping people understand where we're going and why it's important to go there, and then laying out the pathway for us to, to get there. But I think a really key thing, Eric, is that every single person has elements of leadership in their life, that every single person at, at the basis level is le- at least leading themselves, that they are um, and every good leader is following somebody, too. That's another thing we could talk about. But at, even if we're just talking about an individual person who's looking at their life saying, Pete, like, Pete and Eric, I, I get what you're saying, but I've, I don't have any authority. I don't have a voice. I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. I don't, I don't, nobody asked me to do things. That's all, that may all very well be true. But at the end of the day, uh, you are also following Jesus and then leading yourself and, and having ownership in the Lord of your thoughts and your actions and your desires and your fears and all the things that make you you need to be led. And so, uh, of course, they're led by our master, the Lord, but he then actually empowers us through the Spirit to, to do that ourselves. And so um, nobody is disqualified from being living in the power of the Holy Spirit and leading someone or something to the scale, to the magnitude, to the um, intensity. Well, yeah, that that is above my pay grade. That's more of what the Lord gets to decide how wide our wheelbase is and how big our influence is and who we're leading and how. That's that's for him to decide and for us to be obedient to. But all intentional disciples are also should be spirit-filled leaders. I, I've decided to follow the Lord. He is the master. My time, talent, and treasure is his and he equips me through his spirit to live a new life, and part of that life includes leadership. Yeah, yeah, you're touching on something that a lot of our ministry leaders or pr- people in ministry, let's put it that way, so so those who are involved in the different ministries here in our archdiocese, they're, they're regularly challenged by the word leader because it feels daunting, intimidating. They might have a particular picture of a leader in mind. It's positional. It requires a certain set of skill sets that they might not uh, exhibit. And, let, and yet what you're saying is that all of us are leaders just by virtue of our willingness to be part of, uh, to be a disciple and to be part of the kingdom requires us to take some sense of initiative, not only in our own lives, but uh, in, in the work that we're doing. So if you're, 
if you're in hospitality and you're greeting people, you're already extending some level of influence, which in some cases is a way of, of seeing yourself as a leader because you're influencing uh, your community, the culture, and, and the things around you. Yeah, and, I, and I, this may come across as a hard word, but I think sometimes people actually have a, um, and I've, I've had this in my own life at times, almost a false humility of, oh, well, I don't have anything to offer, or I haven't been asked to do this, or my my role is so small and insignificant, it, it probably doesn't matter, or or I've been, actually been given a gift, but I'm not sure I really want to use it, or it makes me feel uncomfortable, or we question whether or not we've even been gifted. And when I look at the scriptures, especially in Corinthians, when Paul's talking a lot about the gifts of the Spirit and how they all work together, he, he doesn't say, like, to each has been given a portion of the Spirit except Bob. You know, Bob, sorry, you're disqualified. No, we right. all, through the nature of our baptism and confirmation, have been equipped in a supernatural way to participate in the building of the kingdom. It's not all the same, and it's, but it is complementary. And it's prideful to have a gift and not use it. Mm. It's actually humble to recognize a gift and then to live in and through that gift. And a lot of times we flip it around. We think, oh, the person who's who's confident in what they've been given and leading, that's that person's dealing with pride. No, actually, the, the humble person recognizes that this is how God made me. And this is, and it's all his. I don't, every gift I have, it comes from him. But the humble person goes, Lord, you've made me this way and I recognize this in me. Now, what do you want me to do with it? And I will do whatever you ask me to do, which is tied to another huge piece of, of an understanding of leadership is uh, every leader has to know how and learn how to obey because obedience is foundational to the life of a disciple. I mean, even Jesus talks about, he's like, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I, I, I'm doing what I see the Father doing in me. Why? So that the whole world may know that I love the Father. Right? Mm. So Jesus gives us, he's a, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Right. So there's this way at which one of the best ways we can lead is to be obedient to the Lord and what he's asking us to do and create an atmosphere where obedience is not a dirty word, but as long as it's originating from love, it's actually the thing that sets us free. Yeah. So how does one take that? Because I, I love what you're saying about obedience. Now, let's let's move that into like practical everyday terms. How does one respond in charity to obedience? What does it look like to be um, obedient to the Lord, to his direction, to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to what's happening in the life of, of, the, of their parish or community, what's happening in their family? So where does obedience find its place in the everyday? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we'd we'd have to parse that out a little bit because <laughs> um, ideally, all all authority and all direction and all things that would require obedience originates from love and originates from intimacy. So, why should I obey God? Well, because He's good and He's loving, and I know Him, and He will only ask me to do things that are good for me and that are only going to be for my blessing and not for my woe. Right. So, there's uh, obedience gets easily co-opted into some sort of negative thing when love is not at the center of it. And so with the Lord, at least, you never have to wonder if he's loving. You never have to wonder if he's good. You never have to wonder if what he's asking you to do is um, going to ultimately be for your benefit. That you can just take to the bank. So in some ways, obeying God is the simplest one because you, you never have to question motive. You never have to question outcome. Even when it's hard, you never have to question it which is a whole probably talk in and of itself is what that looks like, right? Whereas I think it gets messier when it comes to humans because <laughs> yeah. humans are broken and humans uh, are manipulative and prideful. And um, 
and as as an American, I have a we have a rich history of disobedience, right? Where our our yes. our, our literally our country's story is comes from civil disobedience. You know, who you don't have authority over me, so we're going to make our own country kind of deal, right? So I think there's a lot more nuance there, and my posture a lot of times is to just every time um, obedience becomes a burden or it starts to feel like I'm chafing under some sort of obedience, I just take that to the Lord and say, Lord, what's your opinion about this? Yeah. And maybe that's another way to understand a spirit-filled leader is constantly preoccupied with the opinion of God. Yes. First. Yep. Always. Jesus, what is your opinion about this? Yeah. And then I'm going to be obedient to that opinion. And when that opinion matches up with whatever else is in my life, great. And when it doesn't, well, then, Lord, get, grant me the strength and the wisdom to know what I should do about that. Yeah. And sometimes I, I've had experiences in my life where the Lord does just ask me to just kind of bear it, you know? A boss that doesn't, you're not getting along totally well, not my current situation, by the way, uh, but a boss you're not totally getting along well with or something, and you're just, the Lord's just saying, I just endure, just hang in there, just be joyful, even though, yes, this is unfair that he's asking you to work all these extra hours or yada, yada, just, just, just bear it, you know? Um, and then other times it may be like, well, actually the Lord's preparing me for a new job or a new opportunity or something. So, but seeking the Lord's opinion first is to me a, a, a principle of obedience that you can kind of always rely on. Yeah. I'm going to bring it right down to an everyday situation that I think both of us having young kids and a, and a family, a growing family uh, would, would relate to. And of course, being uh, in, in ministry, <laughs> like imagine that sort of, let's say Wednesday night, uh, you've got uh, you've got some you know obligations with the family, kids' activities, whatever it is, and you've also got something going on at the parish, right? And you're you're kind of now you know at odds. You're at a crossroads, really. Mm-hmm. So how how would you advise that you know that dad who has obligations at the home, obligations in the parish, the commitments that are there, and they're at a cross crossroads? So in one sense, you're serving God because. You're, 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 you've responded in, in some way to ministry. And in the other sense, you're serving God in vocation uh, to serve your family and, and all that. But there's often times where the individual, the missionary disciple in that moment could be at a crossroads. Which way do I respond? Yeah, I have no idea. It depends on what the <laughs> Lord says yeah. in that moment. You know, yeah, exactly. I, 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 don't, I don't know if there can be just a standard answer to say you always choose this or you always choose that. Choose that. I think you... Every everybody should have a hierarchy of priorities that the Lord helps you uh, commit to, you know. So for a married father, it would be the Lord, your wife, your children, and then how you're providing for them, and then uh, service and greater expression of kingdom development. Yeah, which sometimes is intertwined. Yeah, and and most of the time it's intertwined. Actually, most of the time it's not as simple as oh, I have my, you know, my faith in the Lord and my relationship with him, Lane, my wife, my kids, there's, and then work. And like, it's usually pretty mixed together. And that's, yeah. that's good. That's a holistic life. That's an understanding of how we, how they all support each other. And, and the Lord loves it that way. He designed it that way. You know, yeah. one of the ways you grow in intimacy with Jesus is growing in intimacy with your wife, you know, yeah. but vice versa as well. Um, so to be at least to have, have a, the standard of like in the normal everyday life, I, I, I know that this is the, my priority of attention and energy is how the Lord has designed my life this way. And we've designed together, you know, yeah. he's the leader and I'm following. Now, in those cases where there there is those direct hit kind of head-on collisions of, well, the kids have this and the church needs this, um, at least in my life, sometimes the Lord uh, is definitely inviting me to say no to something in a ministry opportunity. I, I mean, literally this morning I sent an email 
denying an opportunity that, uh, as I prayed about, and I looked at that weekend, I thought, okay, um, I could say yes to this, and it would probably be good. You know, it'd be good for the family because it's a speaking engagement, and in the sense that it would bring in a little little stipend there. And but I could preach the gospel to this group of people. But then I'm looking at it and going, well, actually, the previous week I've got two or three other things, and I got a couple things now. And you know what we need? Uh, and I felt like the Lord said, no, you need to be with the kids that weekend. Yeah. And so I just trust in that to say, okay, Lord, it's not especially kind of the ministry stuff, it's not ultimately about me anyway. Like, you're, this is your job. You're the, you're the protagonist of evangelization, Jesus. I'm, I'm the supporting cast. And so if you're calling me into this, I can't wait to do it. But if you give me the night off, I'm fine with that too, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's just hard to predict. But then there's been other times where, uh, like uh, I was telling you about earlier in the car, this July was, was nuts. Like, I, the Lord asked me to do a, a whole bunch of stuff that on paper or from the outside looked like, that seems like a little too much, you know? How is that impacting the kids? And what I found, though, is because I was being faithful to what he asked me to do, and, and we, my, our family, my wife and I had talked about it, and we prayed about it, and we, we, were, we were collectively being faithful to it. We came out of July, actually, I think, a stronger family, even though, ironically, I was gone more than maybe I had ever been in our previous 10 years of marriage. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's just, there's no substitute for faithfulness and there's no substitute for the Lord um, being able to bless and develop the fruit that he wants to see happen. And again, so it sounds overly simplistic and it almost sounds a little annoying to just be like, well, just ask Jesus, you know, but that's actually how we're supposed to live is to just continue to keep, keep offering to Tim, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes people look for these like golden nuggets or like insights from a podcast like this to to help them with those crossroad decisions and there really isn't a secret it really is Jesus. Yeah. And and it and it's so maybe this is where the, the the nugget is coming from and you haven't really spoken to it directly but I'm knowing you and and having enough conversations with you I know that you are wholly committed to a deep personal prayer life where you're talking to Jesus every day. And you're you're looking for his direction, and you're you're anticipating the guidance at every crossroad, and and that makes it e- not easy, but it gives you confidence that you can make decisions in the moment or as they come up. And sometimes it's going to move you towards ministry, and sometimes it's going to move you towards uh, towards family commitments, and sometimes it's going to feel counterintuitive, and, and other times it's 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 not going to look as opportunistic. Mm-hmm. But you're you're this is the spirit-filled component of leadership. You're listening to the Lord, and you're letting uh, His movement guide your decisions. Yeah, we have a, a principle or a, yeah, a thing we value in our ministry called expectant listening. We expect God to speak to us. Yep. Like, a lot. Yeah. You know, uh, every day, you know. And uh, and just maybe to to give some consolation to the people out there who are not very good at prayer times, or daily prayer times. I'm not very good at it in the sense of like, I know some people who are, you're probably one of these people who every day has the exact same time. Well, maybe not. I don't know. But the point is like, I know some people who they get up at the same time every morning and they got that first hour of the day is totally dedicated to their scripture and their reading and their time and silence and all this. And I, I have just, I have battled for, I mean, I've been, I've been trying to follow Jesus since I was eight and I'm 35 now, so whatever the math is on that. For many years now, I have been try- battling every day to, to, to pray. 
and sometimes there have been seasons in my life where it's been very dedicated and very clear sure. and very, and then other times it's really scattered. But to your point, every single day I pay attention to Jesus. Every single day I'm acknowledging him and walking with him and talking to him, even when my prayer time is not very good or, yeah. you know, or not very consistent or not as long as it probably should be or whatever. Yeah. And the way I like to think about that is, is we're in relationship. Yep. And we're in relationship that's not confined to a certain amount of time. We're in a organic relationship. And he's consistent and he's always faithful, but I'm all over the place, right? But I know that the more I, if I, if I text him every day, you know, and I call him regularly and I'm paying attention to him and I read his word and I, and I'm just focused on him as much as possible throughout the day, have a prayer time for sure. And I, I remain committed to it, but even just the everyday stuff as well, it's both and, um, yeah, I, I, I live with a tremendous amount of confidence that he's going to speak to me Yeah, because he wants to, and he wants to communicate. I want to communicate with, to him. He wants to communicate to me, and it's not that much different than the way I, I live my life with my wife. We're constantly communicating all throughout the day, you yeah. know, because yeah. we have a relationship, and we want to... In, we want to involve each other in kind of everything we're doing, even if we're not physically in the same place. And and so the Lord is um, very generous in that. And I think a lot of people don't hear him because we don't actually believe he was going to speak. Yeah. Yeah. We would use the term prophetic listening. Oh, yeah. Very good. Uh, here yeah. in, in proclaiming in various uh, circumstances. But we've also borrowed that term from Catholic Christian Outreach, which has a, a been a, a huge influence to the Proclaim movement as well. I think what you're saying about the expectant listening is is uh, trusting, I guess, and believing two things. One is that that God has a good plan for your life, and that God has a good plan for the ministry that you are a part of. Mm-hmm. Like He already knows what uh, what is to be like, what is to be for your ministry, your parish, a vision of a preferred picture. So it's not dependent on us in that sense where like if we fail then everything else fails it, it's it's more dependent on our faithfulness to enact the plan that god wants us to be part of but it's mm-hmm. his plan yeah right yeah. And he has a good plan for your life and he yeah. has a good plan for your next five minutes yeah you know yeah like your life is also boiled down to there's no minutia there's no there's nothing in your life that jesus doesn't have an opinion about yeah and that does shouldn't generate scrupulosity of like oh my gosh i have everything like do i order the latte or the cappuccino you know but at the same time there is a way at which the more you fall in love with him and the more you intimately walk with him the more you want to know yep what do you want me to do in every single minute i mean this is the lives of the saints that we so venerate and so uh are so excited about is they just live constantly answering two questions what's god saying to me and what am i doing about it yeah and they're just as constant as you can be aware of this is what God is saying to me and this is what I'm doing about it. And to me, that is the posture of a disciple and it's the posture of a spiritual leader is to just be preoccupied, um, almost like aggressively desiring God to speak and to direct so that then you can do something about it. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, I mean, that's even how the Lord's like presented it, right? Those, those who are, who are my brothers and sisters are those who hear the word and act on it. Yeah, very good. Hi, everyone. We're going to pause this episode right here in between our conversation. Uh, the conversation I got to have with Pete was quite rich, and we, we moved on to another topic. And so we thought we would put this in another episode for you. So we're going to take part two of the conversation I had with Pete Barak and put that into our next episode. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. And if you liked it, uh, consider subscribing and sharing this podcast episode with others. We would love to grow 
our audience and of course to encourage uh, everyone in proclaiming here in our archdiocese uh, to proclaim Jesus in our homes and in our communities. So we hope to bring you back to our next episode where we continue the conversation with Pete Burak. Thanks very much for listening.